In today's episode, we have the beautiful Carolina. Carolina Sotomayor is a Reiki womb healer on a mission to help women conceive and heal with Reiki. Carolina, how are you? I am phenomenal. Thank you for allowing me to share space with you. Thank you for making the effort and time to come on Gentle Touch. Carolina, tell me about your journey. Uh, I actually use Reiki to help me conceive. Uh, I had one Reiki session at the suggestion of my grief therapist. I was grieving the loss of my father and um, I had, consequently, I had a horse accident. I fell off my horse. I ended up in a ditch. I had a really bad concussion. Um, I was already in grief therapy at that point for over a year because my dad had died. And we were newly wed trying to conceive. I fell off this horse and my concussion wasn't healing. So I went in to see uh, a local psychic that I was taking like workshops with. And she said, honey, you, there's, there, you don't need rocks for your concussion. You don't need crystals for your concussion. You need to get your chakras aligned by your Reiki master. And I was like, Okay, there's a lot of words I didn't understand. I was the beginning of my spiritual awakening when my dad died. That's when it, my spiritual awakening and me starting to question using the word why. Why is the world like this? Why am I doing this life? Why am I doing why was asked for everything? So my dad's death fueled all of these changes. And falling off the horse was the best thing because it what put me on medical leave, made me slow down for the first time ever because I was go, go, go as a hurricane on wheels. And when I was healing from this concussion after the horse accident, I couldn't be on, I couldn't watch TV, couldn't be on my phone. Um, my memory wasn't coming back. So I had to literally sit still for a long time. And I got Reiki at the suggestion again. And then that was in the same week that they said, okay. And this was several weeks after the horse accident, but they're like, okay, you should go get Reiki. I got Reiki at the recommendation of both of those ladies. And then the next month I was testing positive with a pregnancy. And that's who our son is now. He's seven turning in December. He's turning seven. So sometimes, you know, there's that term, um, God smacked. Um, I feel like sometimes you get warnings from the universe or God, whatever your belief system is saying like, Hey, you know, you probably should slow down. You should probably do, you should probably like, these are signals, these are signs you need to like either handle it yourself or we'll do it for you. And I feel like I miss those signs or I refuse to see them. And the horse accident was like a permanent time out. It changed my life completely. It changed. I stopped riding. Um, I started getting comfortable with sitting at home. I started being comfortable with being by myself a little bit. I started to see that I had more things to heal and I and I got what I prayed for. And I didn't know that I had to slow down in order to get pregnant. I didn't know that all the things I was feeling until I sat with it. And because I had that concussion and because I was put on medical leave from work, my very stressful job, I actually could take the time with processing better with therapy and with Reiki. I was able to really identify the mind, body, spiritual connection of really what I was feeling. I thought I was just sad and I was frustrated being sad and I had done talk therapy and I was really good patient, um, but I wasn't, you know, wasn't happy until I got Reiki. I got Reiki and then during that session, it was the first time in that year and a half since my dad had died that I felt like a weight 
was off my chest. I felt like there was this 500 pound weight on my chest because at that point I thought my dad was my person and I felt really unsafe in the world without him existing. Death is very bizarre. Nobody talks about how bizarre it is to have a parent who is who genetically made you and help form your thoughts and help form your beliefs in, you know, who was there at your soccer games and graduation and then you talk to every day and then they poof, they're gone. So it was a very, it was a, um, can you, can you say bad words? No, no, go for it, go for it. Yeah, 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 go for it. It was a total mind fuck. Like when my dad died and I was also a newlywed to like my libido was affected too because I'm grieving. My grief was very physical. I'm like so conflicted. So when I got Reiki, all of those internal conflicts calmed down. Wow. And I was able to feel peaceful and I was able to breathe differently. And I can, then I was just like, I have to feel this way again and again and again. So that's, and then I continued to get Reiki through my pregnancy um, and into my postpartum. And it's what helped manage all of those internal conflicts, helped me with the help of talk therapy and Reiki, help make huge progress in my traumas that I didn't know that I was struggling with. And then when Ollie was six months pregnant, uh, six months postpartum, when Ollie was six, when I was six months postpartum, I got certified in Reiki. Um, and that's what started my journey. And that was in 2017. Wow. Wow. What a beautiful story. I have a question. So, so with regards to the parent and the death. So one time, so I'm from Colombia. So I was raised in London, but also Colombiana and, um, my background is in healthcare. I burnt out. I decided to take 10 months. I physically couldn't do it anymore. And I'm driving. My uncle's driving me from Pereira to Medellin. And it's like, they're fixing the road, so it takes forever. It should take three hours, but it takes eight hours. And then one time where he's driving and he's like, he's 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 50. He's like, nearly, yeah, he's 50. He's like, I'm so scared. I'm so scared for my mom just dying. And I'm like, uncle, she's 80. Like she's lived, <laughs> like she's lived a good life. And he's like, but I'm so scared. What would you say? Because no one teaches us, right? We're not taught about navigating feelings or just kind of what to expect. What advice would you give to anyone that that's kind of either lost a parent or they're ill? Just do you have any words? Yeah, I think the perspectives of different are different in those things. If you lost a parent, it's going to be very different how you handle and manage your grief versus they have not left yet. So if you have, if the person has passed, if your parent has passed, I would make sure that you have a safe place that's not a friend. I always recommend a grief counselor, a grief support group, or grief therapist. How you grieve and grief has defined stages. Um, How you move through those stages, if you go forward or backwards, it's going to be very different for every person. And your grief journey is not timed. I think that's really important. I think it's also really important to call upon your closest circle and be like, I need you to check on me periodically and take me out to lunch periodically. I think when people suffer traumas, like when there's a sickness or a death and when they go to friends don't know necessarily how to care for the person that's grieving or is hurting. So if you outwardly explicitly say, do this, they will do it. Like, if you have a true friend that loves you, why wouldn't they take you out to lunch? And it needs to be spontaneous. But if you say, how you can support me during this time is I'm going to need you to randomly take me out two months from now 
three months from now and consistently do that um, to make sure that because really in grief, everyone tries to fix it. You can't fix it. The person has to feel it. I think expectations of yourself and setting boundaries around your grief. And I had to set time, literally set time to force myself to cry and to grieve. I literally would say every Saturday from 11 to 3, I'm sitting at home, I'm watching sad movies, I'm doing my dad's scrapbook, I'm doing something that's going to allow me to sit in the feelings and feel the feelings because if you avoid it, it will be a volcano. So that's my best advice is like get us get an outlet that's experienced in grief to help you move through it because that actually can accelerate um, and move you through it faster if you are like a purposeful or a very goal-oriented person. You're like, I just want to get back to feeling like me. You can't rush feelings, but people who are experienced in the grief process can certainly help you move through things faster. Uh, I think that that's realistic the way you put it. And then make sure that you have the people who love you the most. They know how to show up for you. Um, and understanding that you have to feel it. And sometimes years later, my dad has been passed now nine years. The grief is an evolution. At first I missed him. And then, you know, my dad was a very difficult person. Now I, I'm, I, a lot of people will be shell shocked, but I'm relieved that he's not around anymore. Because I realized when I undid and I continued to do therapy, I realized he was a narcissist. And that's why, like, I clung to certain things and I was manipulated. So the grief journey and my feelings towards that person changed after years of years after. It's okay to not miss a person that's passed because your grief journey is different. And some people be like, you know, all up in arms. But um, for a person that is, the parent is about to depart in their past and they're either in hospice and they're dying. <clears throat> I think it's really important to be unapologetic in all the conversations you want to have. If they're still coherent, have all the conversations, record them on video, record them on audio, because those things that, especially if it's a close relationship and one that you love so much, those things are priceless. I don't have my phone broke that had like the last voice messages of my dad. And even though I am relieved that I don't have to deal with that toxic relationship, there are still parts of me that really love him. I wish from time to time I could hear his voice and I don't have that. Or, you know, my son has never met my dad. So I would love to have painted my dad in a lighter way and be like, this is what your grandpa, this is what your abuelo sounded like, you know, you know, some of the really great things about myself I got from my dad and I would have loved to have shared his rich accent because my dad was from Quito, Ecuador and like had this really rich, beautiful voice. I really wish he could have heard my dad's laugh, things like that. So if you can record, whether it's video or audio, I particularly love audio. I think sometimes when people are dying, they don't want to capture the physical appearance of the person. Um, so I always recommend, you know, everyone has a phone, everyone has a voice memo on their, on their phone. Just ask the questions. What, and the questions should be like, what was your favorite game you played when you were a kid? Tell me about the first time you fell in love. Not like to remember, to memorialize that person. 
Um, another thing that if you can do before they get sick, there is something called storybook that we recently bought for my husband's parents is they email them a story every week. Um, and it's like this kind of questions like, um, do you remember a time you met a celebrity or, um, what is the, like my father-in-law is what's your best relationship advice and why? And he wrote about all, all the times you know, he showed up for, for, for my mother-in-law and like, it was really beautiful. So there, those are ways that, that I recommend if the person is not, cause sometimes it's too late. So maybe they're not conscious. I would say, say all the things that you wanted to say to that person. Cause they can still hear you. Yeah. And then I would say, even after they pass, um, pray to them, they can hear you ask them to show up in your dreams I believe that the connection in your bond, it transcends time. Love transcends time. So I would, I would, and if there is a doubt if you should go or go or should not go to someone, if like, if you have to travel, go, always go and always go sooner. Don't wait. If they're sick and it was a false alarm, great. You got more time. You got more memories. Always go. I always recommend that. You can't get more time. Wow. Powerful. Oh my God. I didn't even expect that answer. <laughs> beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I had another question when it comes to, so now we spoke about my uncle. Now we're going to talk about his partner. When it comes to conceiving, she, she had issues for five years trying to get pregnant. And it got to a point where, where one time I went to the house and underneath her bed, without even having a positive pregnancy test she had everything she had the buggy she had nappies she had the clothes she had the cologne and and even I remember going to New York in 2014 and I even got her um they were selling Ugg baby sandals for babies I Mm -hmm. even got her that so someone said you know what you need to release release and give it to someone that needs it oh that's powerful yeah. What would you say to anyone that's like that that doesn't want to let their body rest, that's holding on to this feeling and and just doing things that maybe we're not allowing ourselves to live the journey? So you said something that was really powerful, and then I had like a visual come to my mind. You said for anyone that's not letting their body rest, the first thing that comes to mind is a clenched fist. When you have a clenched fist versus a so clenched fist versus flat hand that's open ready to receive, clenched fist is very masculine. You can't receive with a clenched fist, but if you have an open hand, you can receive. A clenched fist is and not letting yourself rest is control. Whoa, and that is. A safety mechanism. And that is your body screaming, I don't feel safe. And when a person must control things or they must fill their day or must keep moving, that means that they're afraid to feel. They're feeling, they're making themselves so busy to have a fake feeling of satisfaction. I got my list done and I'm doing stuff, but what you need to do is sit. Because when I did that, I wasn't feeling my emotions. Oh, I'm fine. I'm good. 
No, those are deflective. Like, are you sad? Are you mad? Like, go back to the basics. You know, like the wheel when we hear the wheel of emotions when we're in preschool. Are you mad? Are you sad? (laughs) Are you confused? Are you frustrated? Um, And I think that that is, so when you can't rest, that means you're trying to control the situation and you're trying to control that outcome because you want to do something. So I think that is a masculine response and that's a wounded masculine response versus, okay, how do we transition out of that? I think infertility, masculine and feminine energy can coexist, but it has to be learned in your behaviors and you have to learn what your triggers are to move out of that heightened state of emotion, which is triggered, which is fight or flight to a, a stable place of healing or femininity. Um, so my recommendation would be in that case, your story was perfect. I tell a lot of people, if you feel inclined to buy the clothes, do it. If you feel inclined to do the nursery, it's, you know, a very typical hack way of manifesting thing, create this space and it will be filled. Right. But in the case where she might need to have a release letting it go in the symbolism of the act of giving away the clothes actually was giving her permission to let go of the pressure that it had to be now probably. And the sooner that we can let go of the expectation or the, there's like this almost pressing down pressure of like, got to get pregnant now, got to have the things now. But like with the act of her giving it away, it's almost like opening up her energy in her mindset, in the decisions that it doesn't have to be right now. And then her body goes from, you know, pressure cooker to, oh, we can breathe again. Wow, that is so beautiful. Thank you for that. Because by you giving the example of the fist, by you giving the example of the masculine and the energy and looking at our behaviors, looking at our triggers, we're able to now step out and think outside the box because sometimes we're so like linear and so stuck in our ways that we forget to see things from other angles. Carolina, what is Reiki womb healing for the person that may not know? So Reiki is just Reiki in general is um, a Japanese energy healing modality that's over a hundred years old and anyone can get certified. But what I've done is taken that life force energy and made it focus on the womb. The womb is located near pelvis, obviously, where all your reproductive organs are. And both men and women um, both have energetic wombs. In the womb, that is where your sacral plexus chakra is located. And that's responsible for reproductivity, creativity, your emotional security, your emotional safety, uh, the representation of your family unit, like your family um, relationships. Um, the most important thing is also your sexuality, your sensuality, and your worth. Everything that you have in your life, you've birthed from your womb because it's your creative point, And it's also the access point of your soul. Your voice has a direct energetic line, your meridian line to your womb. So if you're not connected to your voice or if you have a trouble communicating or trouble speaking up, it's most likely that you're not connected enough to your womb. Also, things that you're curious about come from your womb because that leads you to your passions. Um, your passions is also uh, an attribute and something that the sacral plexus chakra is responsible for. So if you're looking to heal your womb, follow your curiosities. 
all of the things that you wanted to do as a child and get, didn't get enough to do. So if you like to dance, color, do diamond art, whatever it is, that can actually be very healing for your womb in addition to Reiki. Um, I always recommend a hobby for anyone that's trying to conceive or who's pregnant, going preparing for birth or who's in postpartum. Because when you are anything other than happy, go and do that hobby. It will open your womb. It will keep your open and will invite more joy in. It's a very simple way, but most people are like, mm, it seems too simple. But you're doing something that's providing joy for your soul. When we pursue a curiosity that often leads to an exploration and discovery of something that we're passionate about, and then that passion will teach us something about our soul that we didn't know before. All of that's super intertwined with our fertility. So what I do with Reiki, we do Reiki guided meditations, and I use distance Reiki over Zoom. I have a TikTok and I have a membership and we do Reiki over Zoom or a Reiki guided meditation. And basically I connect with your energy and then all of the inner energy chakras or energy centers, which are your chakras, get aligned. The life force energy doesn't come from me. It is source from universe. So it is the life force energy is what takes, um, that makes your lungs expand, the gas grow, the thing that the essence of life. So it doesn't, it's not sourced from the Reiki practitioner. It is sourced from the universe. Um, and then at the beginning and end of the session, um, they'll open your energy and close your energy. Make sure you're grounded. Make sure all of your chakras are balanced. At the end of the session, you are usually expected to feel more lighter, more grounded, more like yourself, renewed. Some people get a burst of energy. Some people get really tired. How Reiki works is it's a high frequency. So anything that is low frequency will be pushed to the surface. And since it's so holistic, it goes through all layers of your aura, meaning like all of your physical tissues, all your, your mind, body, spirit, all gets healed at once. So anything that is lower vibration gets pushed to the surface. And sometimes people can feel emotional during a Reiki session. So they might cry. They might fall asleep. A lot of people fall asleep. Or they might see flashes with their eyes closed. They might see flashes of different color. And that's usually associated with the chakra that we're healing because every chakra has a different color. And with that, basically anything that's lower vibrational, so it's like blame, shame, guilt, resentment, um, anger, anything that's stuck in your tissues will come to the surface. And it's up to your body and your subconscious to release that. Um so we use that to address specific things, a life event that could have caused infertility, such as if a woman, the most common if we treat PCOS and endometriosis is when women were children, they were made to be the adult of the house too soon. So Ooh, they had powerful. caregivers when they were children. This happens a lot. I treat a lot of Hispanic women. I'm Hispanic. So um happens a lot um with and what we look at is what when was that first time if we can go back and heal that first event then it lessens every all the other symptoms that are stemming from there so if we go to the root so that might be from zero you typically ages zero to seven are where the deepest rooted things are mm -hmm. and then we always look at mother father brother-sister relationships, and then any other type of parental figure. For women who are looking to conceive and need, like, what do I heal first? Like the idea of having a healing relationship to conceive. 
Look at your relationship with your father. And I'm going to say this very bluntly. I don't care how great of a relationship it is that your relationship is with your dad now. I care about what it was like then. Um, He could have been the best dad, meaning like a good provider and very loving when he was around, but maybe he wasn't around and he didn't go to soccer games. So how did that, your inner child, how did that younger five, six, seven-year-old self, 10-year-old self feel? Did they feel abandoned? It doesn't mean that your dad's a bad person. It doesn't mean that he didn't do his best. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means that you were hurt and you were a kid. So we need to heal it. So all of our emotional things matter. I had a client who was part of a military family. At age seven, they moved from the place that she loved and the school and the teacher that she absolutely loved. And she learned the consequence of this event was she learned not to speak up. She learned to be quiet. She learned to not to be visible because she felt when nobody asked her if she wanted to move, if she felt invisible, she felt like she didn't matter because nobody accounted for her wanting to move. Nobody asked her outright. So it was a very explicit scene. There was a moving truck in the driveway, house, paint color all came up during this Reiki session. And I asked her, are you ready to release this? And she said, yes. And she was able to show up in her business more. And she was able to conceive two more babies. And and we worked on that wound. So it, it all starts with the willingness to want to heal and to willing to let it go and then move forward. I love that. So say for an example, because obviously I was, so I was born in Colombia and I moved to London. I was raised in London. So I have PCOS and the bit that you explained that growing up. So I remember my mom from a very young age taking me out of school to translate. So I would be this, mm. this little this very child, common. this very child in all these. So I would literally be involved in everything, the housing situations, um, anything that was going Not on, where it be where be issues with the bills, issues with the gas and the heating repairs and just being sucked into this world. And I remember um, I have a family friend, he's like a father figure to me. And he says, do you think that comes from just being a child and, and having, so any letter that comes, I just wait for it because it's just like, I don't know, it just brings up stuff. Like where it be another bill, where it be a notice, where it be whatever that may be. I'm just like, oh, we can just put it to the side for a little bit. I'm not ready. I... That is a very common occurrence. Um, I believe that th- that's layered. So if you were, so the question is just to recap, so I understand your question fully. So you had to be pulled out of school to do translation as aunt for your mom because maybe she didn't speak English or couldn't read English, and then um, so now you have, and you also have PCOS, and you want to. So the idea, the the concept is you want to conceive in the future. So how do you heal this? Yeah, 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 yeah. For for any girls going through the same issues and they're like, how do I navigate this? Okay, so the first thing is, is that what can we do to mitigate the letters? So we are going to have to have a ritual or something in your pocket, figuratively, so that you know what to do when you get triggered. I think that that's the first stage is like, okay, letters are always going to come in the mail. So what are you going to say or what are you going to do to switch the trigger so that you are not, so that trigger doesn't have such a big hold on you. And you're, you could either have an affirmation, you could cut your etheric cords, or you can say, and for, for this, you could start to reprogram the belief that letters bring pain. Cause that's essentially what I'm sensing is like letters and notices bring pain and strife. So be like, 
this letters bring me joy. I get to pay this. I have enough resources. This is easy. Like so something of that sort. We need to shift that this is hard. This is heavy. We need to start to reprogram. This is just a letter. If we look at it because the concept is this. So if we like a lot of people say money is evil. Money is just a tool. It's how yeah. we use it. It's yeah. people who do evil things with it. Um so that's just a letter. We need to de-weaponize it. It's just a letter. But what's coming with that is all of your history with letters having to translate it. So that right there would be an inner child healing we would want to look at and say, hey, you, you can write a letter to your younger self at the earliest age that you can remember being able to do that. Hi, younger self at age six, seven, how early you read. Um, We are this old right now. Our life is amazing. So that was called what I call an inner child reconciliation. Literally write a letter or a journal entry to your younger self and give them a great update of where you're at. Letters don't have to be scary anymore because we make enough money to cover our bills. We don't have to worry because we travel the world freely. I We got to do these amazing things. You're safe now. No, we're in charge now. There's no need to be scared of letters anymore because I got this. I have a credit card. like that so I think writing a letter to your younger self step one um and having an affirmation so you're de-weaponizing and de-triggering because that's going to happen often you don't want to live every day triggered so the second thing is is understanding that you're no longer responsible for this you're no longer responsible for this state of of letters for everyone So you're just responsible for you. So that's also like reducing the scope from here to here. The third thing is if we're looking at the PCOS. So PCOS comes when we've had an overexertion of masculine energy and then that's been used as the main main source um, in coping of living for a massive long time. So, so we're looking at that. We want to look at what masculine things are we doing? What can we do to increase femininity, femininity, the flow of feminine energy, the activation of your divine feminine flow, all of the same thing. So how can we increase your feminine behaviors? Feminine behaviors are like, um, patience, waiting. Um, it could be trusting. Those are all very feminine things. Like instead of, masculine energy is forcing things to happen, controlling things to happen, um, demanding things to happen now is an exertion. So with when we're looking at PCOS, we want to allow both the masculine and the feminine to flow. And we have to look at, okay, how we make decisions. Is that in a masculine way or a feminine way? And typically your body has It's going to be like a muscle memory response, masculine all the way. I can do it. I can do that better. My team will do it. I can manage it. It's all good. I got this. And then you drive yourself into the ground. You're tired and then you get resentful. So in this way, we have to like take on less, pace ourselves more, put out into the universe and trust it's going to happen. Or we make a plan that's not rushed and it's paced appropriately so we're not killing ourselves and then left in a deficit. Some of those things are like mindset and daily decisions. When it comes to healing, 
we want to look at our father relationship first. Was he around? Most of the time they weren't, or they were greatly absent in some way, or the father passed away there, or they worked far away, or they left home, or they were divorced. So many things. But usually with PCOS, the father wasn't around. Therefore, the protection and the masculine energy of providing and making the child feel safe is gone. And therefore, the the child had to step in and become that parent or the caregiver of the home. And that's why there's an increase of masculinity because there was an absen- absence in that father parental role. That's like the the gap. So we have to heal that inner child and make them feel safe to feel seen and feel safe to relax because then there's hypervigilance everywhere. Either there's an in, there's could be that toxic independent I can do anything girl syndrome, um, instead and they don't know how to ask for help. So there's a lot to unpack there. Um, with PCOS, when we're trying to conceive, healthy periods make healthy babies. We need to restore and get you out of fight or flight into healthy healing mode so we can restore your period. If you're stuck in fight or flight, your period is probably not going to come back. Wow, girl, that was so beautiful and so gently. I'm like, damn, you're talking to my soul right now. Um, Carolina, how can we also use Reiki to heal severe postpartum? Oh, so with that, I like to, there's a couple of things here. Um, Severe postpartum can happen to anyone. It does not discriminate. Um, The number one thing is to know that Reiki is... A small pie, <laughs> a small slice of the pie when it comes to postpartum healing. Um, I always recommend having a good relationship with your medical provider. I had a good relationship um, with a medical provider while I was doing um, Reiki through my postpartum, and I had a therapist. I had a therapist when I was before I was trying to conceive through my pregnancy into my postpartum. He was able to point out things. She's like, something's not right. We need to do something about this. So having an established relationship with a therapist or a counselor is always my recommendation in addition to your doctor, in addition to your Reiki. Um, Getting the combination of different therapies, I believe, is very supportive of a holistic postpartum recovery plan. Also understanding that postpartum looks different for every single person. I had a postpartum plan and I put really strict boundaries up. And if you didn't exist within those boundaries, I didn't care. So you have to determine like what you're capable of. And if you're not capable of determining what those boundaries are, then you should have a partner that should be willing to fight for those. And I given like the world, a lot of this is luxury. Like there, it's a luxury to have a supportive partner. I think, you know, there's a lot of women who don't have supportive partners or have to go to back to work super quick or go back to work with baby in arm. Um, do as little as possible that you have to other than to survive during postpartum. I think that there's this pressure to snap back. There's this pressure, but why does nobody talk about feeding your baby, getting up to go to work if you have to work is enough. Like I did paper plates and plastic cups and people can be like, you're filling the landfill. Well, I only like, but that means I don't have to do dishes. When you have three hours of sleep and you worked a 10 hour shift and you're breastfeeding, the exhaustion for breastfeeding alone is really hard. 
I forget what the statistic is, but if you breastfed for a year, it's equivalent of working a full-time job. The amount of hours you have to breastfeed and pump and you do the bottles is equivalent of working a full-time job, if not more. I believe it's more, but the hours and the time. And then there's, if you are breastfeeding and postpartum, there's a level of exhaustion that's unmatched. Like in addition to being, having a newborn, that that's tiring. I mean, so I think understanding with severe postpartum, like what are your boundaries, what are your expectations, what's feasible for you? And then what can we do to like reduce? And some people would say, oh, I can never do dishes, not do dishes. Yes, you can. Just cut corners where you can. So maybe you don't breastfeed. Maybe you do formula or like I had a virtual assistant and she couldn't afford formula. She was in another country. So I was like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to power pump. We're going to do everything. You need to drink more water. The more water you drink, the more milk you can drink. Like you have a clog, we're going to use an electric toothbrush. Like, so um, I'm a nerd when it comes to breastfeeding because I breastfed my son for four years. Oh, oh, oh my God. However, there is, there was, there are extended breastfeeding is very controversial, but for me, it did really well for our parenting style. It did really well for medical issues. Ollie had a lot of allergens. Um, so we were trying to make sure really severe allergies. And there were studies in North Arologist. If we did extended breastfeeding, if I consume those foods, we were trying to make sure he could eat them later. Um, so it's just understanding like what works for you is what's best. And that, you know, what Karen or Amber or your neighbor or a family member did um, was for them. And also don't take advice from your abuela that did breastfeeding 50 years ago. Don't even take advice from your mom. The breast pumps are so different in 2023 than they were in 2020. You can have mobile breast pumps and you can pump while you are walking down the street. Even when I gave birth in 2016, that pump was just getting approved by the FDA and wasn't approved until a year later when I was like, I don't need that pump anymore. So um, understand that try to get news or updates or what the most modern ways of doing things are not from your abuelas, not from your moms, because the last time they were a mom was probably decades ago. Like unless you have super young siblings and you having, you know, like the dynamics different in your family. Um, but um, that's my advice for severe postpartum is, but when we have severe postpartum, the most that how Reiki helps you to answer your question is we align the chakra so you can feel more like yourself. We're restoring the energy because with your energy, you grew a tiny human for 10 months and we are now putting energy back into you. It's just basically an empty cup your chakras after you've given birth, whether you have a a C-section or vaginal birth. And we're just, the Reiki is just pouring the energy back into you. And that's it because you're now operating from a deficit. And then that helps your brain function better. That helps you sleep better. That helps balance you out more, balance out the hormones better, help you have less highs and lows. Um, The Reiki allows you to feel more grounded in your body, which is a big deal when you feel so ungrounded, when you have this tiny human coming into your home and your body doesn't feel like it's yourself. Um, Sometimes you want to eat, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're just like, I'm tired of drinking water, I'm tired of peeing, but you can't stop drinking because maybe you're pumping. So um, yeah, so that just making yourself feel grounded in your body can and making yourself have more energy 
can really be revolutionary for a postpartum mom. Wow, that is so powerful. I actually didn't even know you could have like the breast pumps while you're walking and and just because I'm not a mother or I like I have it's no idea. Season. It's okay. It's not your yeah. season. You shouldn't know. It's not your season yet. Yeah. So that is so beautiful. Carolina. Oh my God. Wow, girl, you're amazing. If you had a billboard on the side of the highway, what would it say? Mm, how many words? Oh, it could be anything, girl. It's a whole billboard. Sit still longer. Powerful. And knowing where you are now, what advice would you give to your younger self? Don't be so desperate. It's going to be okay. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I could cry with that. Um, Carolina, what is your favorite book? Oh my gosh, this has been a while, but um, the the four agreements is that is that the one that book has has been has been really impactful. I think also just I have to think. I think it's been a minute. Hold a minute. This is the one that impacted me the most. I read a lot of Doctor Seuss right now. Yeah, it's the four agreements. Yeah. I love that so much. Beautiful. But I read a lot of Dr. Seuss with my six-year-old and we're learning a lot of uh, what will he do now books or <laughs> a lot of preschool books. So it's been a hot minute. Oh no, I lost internet connection. Okay. Are we What's good? We yeah, good. I'm good. And What's your next question? So my next question is... Um, knowing out of all the courses you've taken, out of all the information you have consumed, what would you recommend to a friend? Wait, you're breaking up. Say that again. So out of all the courses you've taken, out of all the information oh. you have consumed, what would you recommend to a friend? That your kid will have a softball, a softball coach. Um, why don't you have a coach or someone in your corner? Like, why don't you have a healer in your corner? I think that when you invest in yourself, there is, you get skin in the game of like, all right, I got to do it. There's a level of accountability. The transformation is as soon as you make payment to better yourself. I've had business coaches. I've had spiritual coaches. I've had spiritual healers. I've done so many Reiki courses but it's the moment that you make payment and you invest in yourself that everything changes and that I will never regret. And it's different than college. It that So get a coach, get a healer, get a life coach, whatever it is. And that's different than having a therapist. I think when you go to a therapist, you're still a patient. But whereas if you hire a coach, you're, you become a student. Um, and when you're a student, and also you're expected to execute. So I think there is like a different relationship. Hire the coach, hire the healer, they can, or hire a healer and a coach in one, like if they're dual, but um, invest in yourself. Beautiful. Carolina, tell me about you. Tell me about your services. Tell me about your podcast. Oh, I have a podcast called the Make a Baby Podcast. Um, we rebranded this May and we talk about all the things with Reiki and spirituality and woo and focus on delivering messages from fertility all the way through postpartum. And um, we serve women just 
every Tuesday and Friday we drop a new episode. Beautiful, beautiful. And tell me, have you ever written a book? Would you ever consider writing a book? Oh, goodness. I thought about it and I started it and I never finished it. And I think I, I don't think I want to finish it. Um, when my dad died, I used to declare myself as a daddy's girl. And now I just think I'm me. I'm not anyone's girl. I am me. I'm my own girl. Um, and I was going to entitle it daddy's little girl's notes, like the notes. And I thought my dad is such a great dad. I should write a book about all the lessons that I learned from my dad. So other girls who didn't have a dad can have it. But then after I sat with it, I was like, my dad wasn't the best dad after all, after I learned what narcissism was. So I was like, we're not going to finish this book. So maybe all the things I've learned um, should be shared. So um, I think that, um, I think I just don't want to write a book, but the podcast though, I consider it probably the equivalent of a, of, um, of a book because you have to publish. That's like, you have to publish your podcast. So we're over a hundred episodes in. So I consider that probably my equivalent of me writing a book. A hundred percent. Congratulations. It's not easy, girl. The first 10 are the hardest. Then you get to 50 and then reaching a hundred, you feel like you're suffocating and you're drowning until you get over a hundred. <laughs> Getting to a hundred, I think between episodes 90 and 100, we're like, it was tough. It was like, all right, I got to get this out. I, I, again, I invested in myself. I found a podcast strategist and she was very helpful in helping me plan out my next two quarters of podcasts and making sure that we're reaching the audience and redefining like what topics and what core groups and how to make them flow better. So definitely hiring help for that was super inspirational. So, um, that was life-changing to make it flow easier. Um, but yeah, I think that if anyone does want to write a book, I say go for it. My husband's a writer. He's written, he's been a ghostwriter for many books and he has written, he has a pen name. So he writes sci-fi on Amazon. Um, so I, if you have a book, do it. I say, if you have an idea, execute it and put it out into the world. Birth uh -huh. that book. Exactly. Exactly. hundred um, percent. Carolina, tell me about your services. Okay. So I have, um, two, two containers that I help, I help women, um, in, we have our introductory offer, which is the make a baby membership. That's $49 a month. We have two live calls a month and it has a vault of different meditations for fertility, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. So we serve full spectrum. We want to help you get pregnant and then serve you the whole way through your pregnancy. Recently we are, um, we started what's called the spiritual pregnancy reset and that's helping women who conceived and uh, recently with Reiki. But what I find is once they're pregnant, there's a struggle to detach from the infertility trauma that they endured and really accept and enjoy and sit in their pregnancy experience. Um, usually they don't get to that until they give right before birth. So I want to intercept that and allow that healing to happen as soon as possible so they can enjoy their pregnancy connect to their baby, connect with their spirit baby sooner. Um, so we're, we're actively doing that through the membership now and releasing those modules. And um, the next one is called the Next Level Fertility, which is my three-month program where we have weekly calls and one-on-one -on -one sessions. So it's just more access to me and more in-depth healing and longer sessions. Um, so 
And that's called the next level fertility. So yeah, you can find it at carolinasutomayor.com. Beautiful. And your TikTok and Instagram? Oh, it's it's the Carolina Sotomayor. It's the same handle. So yeah, I'm active on both, posting daily on both. And you can that. find the podcast on there as well. I love that. And do you also, because from the womb and, and from that, we have, is it the sacral chakra? Is the sacral chakra the stability chakra as well? It is. If you have, if you have your worth in, well, actually, no, the stability chakra, I would say is your root chakra. It's roots, your root. Cause that's where like everything that it takes to physically exist in this world, that's your root chakra. That's from the end of your tailbone to your feet. So it's like, um, scarcity versus, um, abundance mindset, house, money, career, um, um, representation of, do you have a family unit or not? But the actual relationships of the family are in your sacral. So like, how do you feel supported? What does it take to exist in this world is really what that's about. So stability is definitely your root. Also, if you're grounded or not, your root, if you can get grounded in who you are and your purpose, all of that root. Beautiful, beautiful. For the person that may not be pregnant, but may want to connect with you, where it be healing PCOS or healing kind of they want to be in touch with their creativity. They're struggling. They're stagnant. Is that possible? Yes. Um, we could do a one-in-one session. We have those. Um, I usually reserve those for like people who are wanting like one-off session or, or they're not ready to join a container. Um, but yes, that's definitely ideal for that kind of person. Usually 60 to 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. And then it's beautiful. to you because it's then over Zoom. It's exactly into your to your to your needs only beautiful carolina i just want to say a great big massive thank you thank you for taking the the, uh, thank you (laughs) thank you for taking the time to come on gentle touch and share your light and be super gentle about it so thank you so much girl thank you for having me i hope you have the best day